It's August 25th, 2021. Welcome to the new reality edition of Bite Marks Cafe right here on Hawaii Public Radio where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum. First up, we have Brad Kaleo Bennett from Awamo Collaborative, and he's here to tell us about the Rural Broadband Mapping Initiative. And then we'll be joined by Daryl Galera uh, and uh, Kalima Kinney from the Volcano School, along with um, Amber Imai Hong from Hawaii Space Flight Lab. And of course, they're here to tell us about the Governor's Emergency Education Relief Fund Program. And that's a cool bunch of projects that we'll get into. First up, I want to welcome Brad Kaleo Bennett. He's the Executive Director of Awamo Collaborative. And of course, he's here to tell us about this Rural Broadband Mapping Initiative. Welcome to the show, Brad. Hey, thank, thank you, Brad. Thanks for having me on. Hey, tell us about uh, Awamo. I mean, what is, uh, what is the Awamo Collaborative? Awamo Collaborative is a nonprofit in Hilo. Uh, we work, we do educational uh, programming and work towards um, pushing communities towards, uh, you know, resilience. Um, uh, we also do work in the technology space. So we started uh, the initiative, the Cooley Digital Opportunities Initiative, where we, during the pandemic, we distributed uh, computers for free to our rural communities across the state uh, as uh, offshoot of that work. We were fortunate enough to become partners in the uh, Hawaii State Broadband Hui and uh, that their work in promoting digital equity and then getting uh, internet connectivity out to all areas of Hawaii. Uh, so this mapping effort came out of that work with the Hui. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, in terms of uh, uh, mapping, I mean, mapping, obviously, you got to have, have data in order to map. And so what is uh, what is the challenge to, to actually do data gathering? Yeah, you know, the data that exists now, well, the maps that exist now are uh, populated by um, provider self-reporting. So uh, we find that they're not always completely accurate um, as to our rural areas and what kind of service actually exists. So uh, our project is going to send people out to rural areas across uh, our neighbor islands for the first round to have people go out and do a short uh, online survey on their devices to ask uh, questions around uh, whether or not internet connectivity exists. If it does exist, what is the quality of the, um, the connectivity they receive? Uh, what uses do they have for it? Does everybody in the house have a digital device? Um, if they do not have connectivity, we ask questions around where do you go to connect? Um, what is the reason you don't have connectivity? Is it, is it financial? Is it infrastructure? And we hope that by, and then we're also going to do a speech, we'll have our people do a speed test if there is connectivity to see what the actual uh, upload and download speeds are. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hope that by gathering this information, we, uh, we, we can uh, create a map that's a lot more accurate uh, as to what's actually, what, as to the conditions actually on the ground in the rural areas. Uh, and hopefully this drives, you know, several things, advocacy towards um, programs to help these communities Hopefully, it helps our legislators when they start devising infrastructure projects. It helps us in partnerships with groups like Internet Society, who is a partner with us. You know, who is a partner with us in this project, and it helps us when we start looking at how we create uh, community community managed broadband networks. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. And you know, uh, the project that uh, you're launching. I mean, and, and it's uh, to all the neighbor islands. Uh, it's actually people on the ground uh, doing these surveys, and 
you know, once they do the when they do the surveys, the, the, the data that you're collecting gets gathered up and it actually gets stored. Uh, that then can be mapped. So, who are some of your partners to actually do some of the, um, you know, the the mapping, the GIS? Uh, yeah, well, we're very fortunate as far as partners of the project. Our, our main funding partners are Kamehameha Schools, uh, Papaloloka'i, and mm-hmm. the Internet Society. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we also are receiving some funding from Pacific Basin Telehealth Resource Center. Uh, but we do have partnerships, in-kind partnerships, with Hawaii Green Growth, with our, with our, our state GIS people, and also with um, UH, they're going to help us do the data analysis uh, so that we can visualize all the data we all the data we receive on the Hawaii Green Growth Dashboard. So it can kind of be, you know, so people can go in there, manipulate the data as they need to. Mm-hmm. Uh, what mm-hmm. we really appreciate is the survey we're giving uploads everything directly to the, to the state GIS platform. So the data is live as soon as it gets, you know, as soon as we, as soon as they hit submit. It goes straight to the platform, and the state has the data as well, yes. Oh, that, no, that sounds great. That sounds great. And uh, in terms of the people on the ground, you have a program now that you're uh, getting, you know, getting people who are interested to, to be a part of your data gathering effort. Yes. So, so we're looking for, uh, we're hiring um, contractors to go out and do this work. It's, it's short-term work. It's for a period of about 12 days. You know, we're paying about $150 a day for people to go out and give us between 15 to 20 surveys a day. So mm-hmm. we're looking for people who live in these areas because we don't necessarily want to bombard our rural areas with you know people from elsewhere. Mm-hmm. We, people who actually live there, we'd like to provide them some opportunities to make some money, push some money to the you know push some money to their economy, and also to have them help their neighbors, right? Because the idea of this is not to ask intrusive questions and, and get in everybody's business. The idea of this is to provide the information so that we can provide, so we can improve outcomes for you know, broadband connectivity across the state, especially in the areas that are not well served right now because there's no infrastructure from our service, service providers going out there. Yeah. No, that's great. And, uh, you know, you're, you're a great partner, Brad, uh, for this whole effort around broadband and digital equity. I really appreciate all the work that you're doing. So, Brad, where can people go to find out more information about the uh, – you know, the uh, potential for getting hired and, and uh, AWAMO and, and the survey? Yeah, they can go to our website, um, awamocollaborative.org. And how do you spell uh, that, AWAMO? A-U-A-M-O, uh-huh. collaborative.org. Um, and if, if they're interested, um, yeah, go to the website and then go to our rural broadband mapping page and all the information is there and they can contact us and... Um, on the alternative, they can email me at kokua uh, at org. Very good. I'll put that up on our show notes for later. Mahalo, Brad, for joining us. All right. Thank you, Brad. Thanks for having us. And, of course, we'll take a short break. And when we return, we'll be joined by Daryl Galera from the Hawaii Center for Instructional Leadership, Kalima Kini from Volcano School, and Amber Imai Hong from the Hawaii Space Flight Lab. And we'll talk about the Governor's Emergency Education Relief Fund. And, of course, this is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributor Hastings and Pleadwell, a communication company. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe on Hawaii Public Radio. I'm happy to welcome Daryl Galera from the Hawaii Center for Instructional Leadership, Kalima Kinney, principal over at Volcano School, and Amber Imai Hong from. She's an outreach specialist over at the Hawaii Space Flight Lab 
and uh, they're all here to talk about the GEAR. GEAR stands for Governor's Emergency uh, Education Relief Program and how it helps students and educators weather this pandemic. I want to welcome you all to Bite Marks Cafe. <clears throat> Aloha. Good afternoon, uh, Bert. Thanks for having us. Hey, so Daryl, maybe I'll, I'll just go ahead and start uh, start off with you since you were the first one to say uh <laughs> Hello, <laughs> and and uh, so Daryl, you know, I was um, I had uh, Phil Bossert come on and talk about gear. You know, this was several months ago, and and when I heard about the announcement of the uh, awards, I thought, wow, we got to get the, some of the folks that have received some awards uh, to come on. But uh, before we we get into that, I wanted to maybe give you a chance to kind of frame up what what exactly was gear. Uh, the money is is federal money that came in through the uh, CARES funding, and I think it was some uh, it was to the tune of uh, eight point one million dollars. But it was really specifically targeted to education, right? And so, tell me a little bit about uh, what the program entailed. Okay, uh, Bird, we'll we'll give you a really quick uh, <clears throat> elevator speech here. Um, okay, good. When when the federal government uh, awarded gear to all 50 states, uh, the the key decision was placed on the governors for what they wanted to do. They had full discretion on the gear, the specific gear monies. Mm-hmm. And many states um, opted to um, do things like use it for PPE or to do you know um, COVID related uh, spe- specific uh, needs. And uh, Governor Ige uh, chose to to use it for to promote innovation. And to um, to to you know promote creativity in how we solve our problems here, so we created a gear advisory group that uh, was comprised of the top educational leaders in the state, and the that advisory group created a gear state plan. Um, that that gear state plan has many different parts to it. Um, one of the biggest parts is creating a new teacher academy that's being done at the University of Hawaii under David Lasner, and then the um, the second part um, is again providing gear innovation grants for people to apply for. So that's that's a piece that we're talking about this afternoon. Um, we wanted to make sure we did. We had a, a gear program, a gear innovation program that truly promoted innovation. Uh, we've had many uh, innovation grants in the past that uh, maybe had the word innovation in name, but you know tended to be more compliance-driven. Mm-hmm. And this process that we have today is very, very innovative itself. And so um, we, the, the ways it, it's innovative includes um, the, the process itself was very simple for the applicants. Uh, we provided a one-page application, and so each, each applicant uh, you know, didn't have to spend 30 or 40 pages coming up with uh, you know, you know, what they were going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, they had to, they had to um, again, elaborate on how they would be innovative in their approaches. And from the original 210 applications, um, we, we approved about 74 to go to phase two. And in phase two, all 74 applicants were given 15 minutes to do kind of like a Shark Tank presentation on how they would you know, be com- truly innovative in um, addressing the needs from COVID and their uh, education needs for our students. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, over a few week period, we had all of the applicants uh, deliver out- just 
truly inspiring presentations. Amber and Kalima, they're, they're, they're among the, uh, again, the 31 that were awarded with the truly innovative uh, solutions that, um, you know, were awarded. And, um, and again, just to let you know, the process didn't stop there. Um, uh, it was driven by a, a, a rubric that uh, defined innovation specifically for Hawaii. Um, and, and now that they are all selected, all of the, the projects are now part of a community of practice that we have formed. So all of the project leaders will be meeting um, at least monthly where they will be sharing best practices, lessons learned, and collaborating and partnering together as a big, big community of practice. And this will all culminate next summer where all of the projects will be presenting at the Governor's Innovation Summit. So we'll be hosting a summit, and again, we'll be celebrating all of the uh, achievements and the innovations from all of these great projects. Oh, that's great. What are, you know, you mentioned rubric. Could you mention like a couple things that are on the, on the rubric? Yeah, so uh, we, uh, we, de we, de we designed a rubric uh, that, again, came from the gear advisory team, again, the governor's team, where we were looking at the, the impact and the need from COVID-19. We were looking at the innovation strategy that the, uh, the projects were going to come up with. We were looking at the, the degree of collaboration, true collaboration among partners. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we were looking for the the, uh, the uh, consortium and the partnerships. We, we weighted that heavily. And then again, we looked at the impact, um, the results that they were uh, projecting, and again, sustainability, innovation, and so forth. So again, very tough rubric. Um, and again, it's a new rubric. I think uh, many, many states are gonna copy it. But uh, again, we, we had some really smart uh, folks to come and help us de de design this rubric and use it for the um, the panel presentations. No, that sounds that sounds that sounds great. You know, and uh, I want to I want to give uh, uh, Kalima and Amber a chance to talk about uh, what they submitted. So, Kalima from uh, from uh, Volcano School of Arts and Sciences, uh, Kalima, when when you saw this one pager, I mean, was was the one pager enough to give you a chance to really articulate what it is that you wanted to to pitch as a project? Uh, it was definitely a challenge fitting it in one page. <laughs> and so how did you, I mean, what what was the process? I mean, did you guys have a, a pretty good idea of what it is that you wanted to do, and then you had to summarize it and condense it into one page and and uh, just basically say, this is what we want to do, and this is how much it's going to cost? Well, we actually did have a good idea because uh, this is really expanding on work that was started on our school, and we had already envisioned wanting to establish this Hawaii PK-12 Research and Development Consortium um, to partner schools with scientists and industry experts. Um, so, yeah, we did already have it pretty well uh, thought out uh, prior to writing it. But, you know, as you mentioned, fitting it into one page was certainly a challenge. So so describe what is, it, what, what is this consortium that you uh, had, had sort of in the works, and, and what is the connection that uh, you know, Volcano School will be the hub connecting all these other players in the community. Right. So we have a number of partners, um, and our uh, most uh, strongest partner is the Kaka Foundation for Tropical Forests and the Teaching Change Partnership. And so they are actually managing a lot of the grant aspects for us and, pro and uh, providing a program manager, Sarah Knox, um, so we, we do, um, we have a team, you know, at, at work here. 
But what kind of started this was back in 2018 where we did a very short-term uh, citizen science project, and that's where students participate in actual research projects, either helping to gather data or analyze data that then is used in research. And so what we participated in was to collect ambrosia beetles, which are implicated in the spread of the fungus that causes rapid ohia death. So the uh, results of, of our citizen science work turned out to be significant. And um, so we started to bring that to other schools. And within, you know, we interrupted by the um, eruption and then COVID. But then uh, last year, we were able to involve 20 schools in that beetle collection project. And then last year, we uh, received um, a uh, NOAA Ocean Guardian School grant as well as a conservation education award from the um, USDA Forest Service, ISW-IPIS, and also with Title I funds. And what we did was we established a whole uh, curriculum, uh, well, curriculum resources like unit plans around um, watershed protection. Wow, <laughs> this is pretty. That's pretty comprehensive. I mean, that's a uh, a lot of lot of uh, topics and subjects that you've uh, embraced there. Yeah. Um, the um, so what what happened last year was you know when COVID hits, we were going to do with six watersheds in Kau selected for our work and study, and uh, then COVID came and we couldn't go in person. So we have the idea. Uh, with our partners to establish a remote observation, a remote kilo network using acoustic monitors, um, cameras, and environmental DNA. In the, and then we focused our work in the Kaiholena watershed there with the Nature Conservancy. Um, and I was uh, thought, you know, at the time, well, this won't be as good as going in person, but it turned out actually to be a great supplement, uh, addition, the data access that the students had, you know, from nighttime or top of the watershed and things they would not ordinarily be able to see. And I also had questions about, like, younger students being able to engage with the data. And it was, it was really fun watching first graders reading spectrograms and, uh, and having a good time with it. Um, so we have uh, really envisioned wanting to bring this to other schools, and we really want to mahalo Governor Ige and the GEAR team and Daryl for making this opportunity possible. No, that's, that's great. And, you know, uh, I didn't get a chance to ask you, what what is the the Volcano School of Arts and Science? Is that a is that a charter school? Is that a uh, a K you know K through twelve school? I mean, what 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 exactly is it? We we are a charter school and we serve uh, pre K through tenth grade and growing to twelfth grade in two years. Okay, okay. So how many? What's your what's your pop uh, the the student enrollment at the Volcano? <laughs> well, we've been growing and growing. So um, enrollment is pretty is. Uh, a little less than we expected at this time, but still uh, higher than last year. And and what what, what give me a number? A, a number of our enrollment right now? Yeah, yeah. I think we're at um, two seventy. Wow. Okay. Okay. And 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 I want to I want to keep uh, continue this conversation because I think. Uh, uh, the the details that you just shared with us is is, is fascinating. Uh, I do want to give uh, Amber a chance, but uh, we'll hold that thought. We'll be right back after after this short break to continue our conversation with Dara Galera, uh, Kalima Kini, and Amber Hima Imai Hong, and we're all talking about the the Gear program. And of course, this is Bite Marks Cafe. 
Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors, Bavarian Motor Experts, and Chaminade University. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe on HPR One. I'm Bert Lum, and if you're just joining us, we're talking to Daryl Galera from the Hawaii Center for Instructional Leadership, Kalima Kini from Volcano School, and Amber Imai Hong from the Hawaii Space Flight Lab. And we're talking about the uh, GEAR project and this uh, Governor's Emergency Education Relief Fund project, which uh, helps to deal with the impact of the pandemic on education. And <clears throat> right before the break, uh, we we're talking uh, to Kalima about um, the project that the uh, Volcano School put together. And I wanted to give um, Amber a chance to talk about the project that you guys uh, we're able to get uh, funded, and and I've I've had uh, folks on the show before talking about CubeSat, but uh, Amber, I, I wanted to give you a chance to share what exactly does uh, the Hawaii Space Flight Lab do, and and what project did you propose uh, for this gear funding? Um, so the Hawaii Space Flight Lab, um, we are primarily a research organization within the University of Hawaii at Manoa. Um, we are part of SOAS and the College of Engineering. Um, I am an avionics engineer, so I help to build small satellites that range from about the size of a Kleenex box to about the size of a small mini fridge. Um, we have launched Diakasat um, and Neutron One, so a hyperspectral imaging um, satellite. And currently we have an orbit Neutron One, which um, detects high-energy particles in low-Earth orbit. Um, and we've been developing a CubeSat kit for educational purposes at the community, college, and um, university level for the past year and three months or so um, through a NASA grant. And we wanted to be able to bring this to Hawaii's um, schools. So um, we're very, very grateful for the GEAR grant um, and we, we're so excited to be able to bring small satellites into classrooms to um, help educate students, educate teachers um, about space science, as well as um, how we can learn more about our Earth um, and various aspects of it um, from space. Oh, that's great, uh, Amber. So from the uh, standpoint of the Hawaii Space Flight Lab, uh, the outreach that you want to do to high schools. I mean, how do you how do you envision putting, uh, let's say, a kit together and then actually getting schools interested? Is it uh, is it a train to trainer kind of arrangement, or you know, do you personally <clears throat> take it out there and get people to familiarize themselves with the kit? Uh, so we will be offering um, sixty five of these hardware kits to middle and high school teachers. Um, they just sign up on our website and um, we will be running a class through the University of Hawaii at Manoa. Mm -hmm. um, it'll be online, so statewide anyone can sign up or any teacher in um, public, private, or charter, middle or high school. Um, and we, we give them a kit, an electronics lab set, um, and we provide a lot, or the goal of the course is to provide them the technical knowledge to integrate 
this um, CubeSat into their curriculum. So we want um, math and science teachers, any teacher who's interested in teaching about computer science, which I know is a big initiative of the state right now. Um, so we want these teachers to have the resources and the support um, to be able to integrate this into their classroom and be able to teach um, using this as a tool. No, that's uh, <clears throat> that's great. And so, you know, in terms of uh, getting some of these uh, actual CubeSat uh, creations, do you envision students actually having the opportunity to launch this uh, into space? Um, so right now, we want them to be able to design their own mission so that eventually they can. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the overall goal. Um, but right now, we don't have any... Um, method launching CubeSats is very expensive. Um, we hope to be able to build on this in the future um, and to be able to do that um, at the middle and high school level as well. Um, there are um, there are schools on the mainland who have done it through other national um, competitions. Um, this CubeSat kit that we're delivering to them won't necessarily be space grade. We are 3D printing their structure just to keep the cost down mm-hmm, and to be mm-hmm. able to provide more of these kits. Um, but the kit that we're developing for the university and um, community college level will be completely space flight ready. Um, and we're trying to develop this um, at a low cost, so under $5,000. Um, so hopefully at some point we will have this on the market. Um, I'm part of the robotics community, so $5,000 is an FRC entrance fee or or first robotics entrance fee which many high schools in hawaii participate in so it's not unreasonable to um for a high school Mm -hmm. to um purchase a kit that would be five five thousand dollars no that's great that's great and this is exciting exciting stuff and i'm I'm, I'm glad to have you uh, share you know what what it is that you have in mind now daryl you know the um uh, projects that we just touched the surface of, of both of these projects, and of course there's 29 more <laughs> that are uh, also underway. And and maybe you can describe, you know, what is it that you see your kind of role now going from actual award to the implementation of, of many of these projects? How do you keep track of all of this? Yeah, well, the, the GEAR team is uh, working really hard. It is a, a huge project. And so uh, we have uh, a project manager, his name is Steve Tristegi, who's doing an excellent job in um, working with all of the pro- projects, in addition to the uh, the team from the governor's office with uh, Kim Sparlin and Will White. So we have a number of people still um, coordinating and, and communicating with the projects and um, keeping track of everything as they, um, they, they work throughout the year as a community of practice and getting ready for next year's summit. Now, are you? Uh, I, I think you mentioned monthly meetings, so I think that's yes. uh, probably a way to keep uh, keep track of what's going on. And then, uh, <clears throat> are, are there are there any other uh, benchmarks that you want to kind of just quickly mention? Yeah, well, the the, the the monthly community of practice meetings is a key key piece of all of this. And so, um, as you've heard, um, Kalima and Amber describe their projects. Um, we have we have taken all the projects in and said that even though they've designed their projects, we will still be supporting them to continue to iterate and to, to, to um, innovate. 
And so all of the projects will actually be um, working with um, David Viotti from Smallify. Oh, cool. And Karanaka from One Shared Future. Yeah. Oh, great, They'll great. be going through... Two well, rapid prototyping Daryl, Daryl, why don't you yes. send me send me the link and I'll put that up on our show notes for later on tonight. Uh, Daryl yeah. Galera is from the Hawaii Center for Instructional Leadership. Kalima Kinney is principal over at Volcano School. Amber Imai Hong is an, an avionics engineer and, of course, works at the Hawaii Space Flight Lab. I want to thank them all for joining us today. And, of course, thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Join us next week when we will talk to Blue Startups and Cohort 13. If you miss any part of this edition, you can find a podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkcafe.org. And any comments or suggestions, email me at bitemarks at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter. I'm at bitemarks. Of course, you stay safe. You stay awesome. And we'll see you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe. Bite Marks Cafe.